0: Hey alumni, welcome to InterVarsity World Changers, the podcast celebrating God's world-changing work in and through InterVarsity alumni just like you. I'm your host, John Steele, and today we're talking with Grammy Award-winning musician Mary Ann J. George, an alumna from both St. John's University and CUNY York College. As many of you may imagine, MJ is changing the world through music. Whether through her solo album, Not Just Stories, or during her time as a vocalist with Grammy-winning worship band, Maverick City Music, MJ's ministry has encouraged millions of listeners in their walk with Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy MJ's story. Marianne J. George, welcome to the InterVarsity World Changers podcast.
1: It's so good to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had to, I had to put your full name in there at least just one time because uh, somebody, you, the times you come across somebody with a full name and middle initial that just sounds so legit together, you can't help, but uh, you can't help but throw it out there.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's funny because nobody really, I mean, that is, that is my official like name and what I yes. go by professionally, but it's everybody who knows me calls me MJ. So feel free to call nice. me MJ too. Oh, okay. So yeah, well, it's up to you. I appreciate you, whatever that. You want.
0: I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Uh, I would be I would be happy to do that. And MJ, I'm really excited to get to hear stories of how God's inviting you to change the world with Him today. Now, I I know how I would introduce you, and I would probably lean in the direction <laughs> of like deeds done, the work that you do. But Marianne, you are so much more than the work that you do so I'd actually I would appreciate it if you would just take the reins and give an introduction what what's helpful for for me and (laughs) listeners to know about who you are and not just what you do Marianne
1: well that's that's okay okay I've never had anyone (laughs) ask myself okay well I am First and foremost, I am a daughter. I am a mother. I'm a wife, but I also am a singer songwriter. I'm a musician. I'm a child of God. That's mm. actually probably the first and foremost thing. But <laughs> I, I truly am someone that just loves Jesus, and I, um, I'm a very emotional person. So okay. I feel very deeply. I kind of am a self proclaimed empath. Um, I am a therapist on the side. I mean, I don't do it. any. I'm not practicing anymore, but um, mm. I love, I love mental health. I'm really passionate about mental health and I'm passionate about um, music and I kind of intersect both worlds uh, with my life. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's been a really cool journey to kind of see how God's used me in both of those sectors and But yeah, that's kind of just a little bit about me. I love pizza, but I can't eat it because I have really bad acid reflux. And um, oh no, yeah, it's terrible. I had to give it up. (sighs) It was it was like I had to lay it down. i give you you my love lay down your (laughs) idols literally lay down um i love coffee i love indian tea that's like masala chai is like my favorite yeah i mean i'm trying to think that's really it's kind of like i love andy's thin mints i like hey
0: there we go (laughs) there we go andy's
1: chocolates are so
0: good (laughs) absolutely (laughs) Absolutely. And they're used so infrequently that you know the times that you make it out to that you make it oh, out to Olive yeah. Garden and they they lay and those mints have, down, you're like oh And you're my just like goodness, this is yes. so good every time <laughs> every time it's like Absolutely. wow,
1: has this always been this good?
0: Right, um, right. Yeah. But wow I love
1: I love my Nespresso machine. That's
0: like the last thing I could think of now. So, I mean. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, That's a little, little awesome. bit about me. I love it. That's super helpful. So helpful to, to get a feel for, for you, MJ, and who you are, the things that you enjoy, and to see some commonalities. I would also consider myself a, a pizza lover. I have not yet laid go. it down, though I probably should. Uh, I probably <laughs> should lay that down. We'll, um, we'll be
1: praying for your deliverance.
0: Yeah. We'll be praying. I appreciate that. Thank you. If you could send it out, you know, next update or whatever <laughs> however it is that you keep your prayer warriors uh in tune and i would appreciate yeah, I will, it I will. yes <laughs> well okay uh mj one other question that i have of in, by way of introduction here before we step in any further and that's if you if you were not doing the style of music that you do now if it wasn't if you weren't leaning into you know worship music and the, the mm-hmm. things that we really know you for mj what would it be if not that music what would you be what music would you do
1: Okay, I was about to ask—are we talking music or are we doing yes, anything? Yes, music, but of course,
0: of course. <laughs> I think
1: I, I think I'm kind of leaning into that for some of the work I'm doing now. Um, awesome, but okay. I'm leaning into more of singer-songwriter, um, R and B, oh, indie pop. <laughs> nice, yeah. okay, soul, a lot of soul. Yeah, so very cool. Yeah, it's a kind of mix. I don't really like to 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 define myself in a genre, which is sure really problematic if we're talking about industry. But in, <laughs> in terms of artistry, um, I don't really love to like put myself in a in a box. So yeah, but I'm I'm kind of all over the place. More like indie pop, R and B, gospel. Still is always going to be there. I used to sing sure. vocal jazz growing up, so jazz nice. is a big part of m- my like musical influences, but something that kind of ties in all of that is my genre. Yes.
0: <laughs> <That's> nice. <me. laughs> Very cool. Defining, <laughs> yeah. defining genres and cutting across labels. And you right. know, we live in a world where, you know, you can independently produce your own music to such a like quality degree that you don't even really need to define yourself like that anymore. I would, I would think mm-hmm. that, that that can be fairly helpful. Uh, so as we've established mother, wife, Child of God, pizza lover, Andy's mint lover—so many things. <laughs> so many intro. things that can help. Uh, that can help define who you are. But one of the other things that you are, uh, one of the things that I'm excited to talk to you about is that you are—you're an InterVarsity alumna. That you have history with InterVarsity, which is so cool. So, could you give us just like a brief origin story? How was it that you came to meet InterVarsity in the first place?
1: Wow. Wow. Okay. So I grew up in a Christian home, so I always knew that I would be involved in some sort of ministry on campus. And so I originally started off my collegiate, uh, (laughs) my my whole college education in St. John's University in Queens. And so I... started to be involved in their university and loved it. And I didn't really, I wasn't on any sort of leadership position. I was just kind of attending as a member. Um, But then I actually left St. John's one year after, like after my freshman year. And I transferred to CUNY York College, um, which was honestly not far from St. John's, but did not have to my knowledge, did not have an university on campus. I think they had other things, but they weren't – it was an university. Even the other thing, other clubs that they had, I had tried so hard to access these clubs, and they were just so inaccessible. I didn't know hmm. how to reach them. And um, I think it also, like, is an indication of how the campus is in general. It's just a very commuter-heavy school. People are kind of just coming to go to class and then leave – you know to go home, so there wasn't this like presence on campus that you know encouraged a lot of clubs or you know going to things like that. So I just never found the club. Um, so I would go back. I lived in Long Island, and so I would drive back to Long Island and I would attend Adelphi's uh, university okay. because it was near my near my house that the my parents' house and I was living there. So I um, attended their university like as not even as a member. I just kind of dropped in whenever they would have it. And I had a lot of friends that went to Adelphi. So I was kind of like involved there. But kind of had this um desire to start an university in my school. And I think I waited quite a bit of time to build the courage to do it. But <laughs> towards the last year of school, I was at York for five years. So the fifth year um I finally, well, I think right before the fifth year started, I got in touch with, I went to a big event and I got in touch with, um, Jason and Sophia Gabry. And, yes. um, I remember, I think Sophia was one of the, was the regional director at the time. I can't even remember Okay, it, for New York, New Jersey, but I told her that, you know, I had this desire to like start this university and I'd been going to like. All the other universities and not my <laughs> own because there was none. And so right. she she told me that there was an university that actually used to be at York and I think they lost touch with with, with the bigger group. And so I kind of like helped her jumpstart a new one. And we went to Big Event with two people and we kind of believed in faith that by um, I don't think it's even called Big Event anymore, but it's something else now. But then I went to Basilea the that following year. That we started. We started the university right at the beginning of Big Event, and um, we only had two people come to Big Event. And we prayed. We took a photo of us, like two people standing <laughs> on two ends, and we were like, "We're going to fill this up by the time we come to Boise." Nice. And then, um, yeah, I went to Bossleia in June or May, and we had like a, a big amount of people who wow. showed up, like, I can't even remember right now. I think I want to say like 10 people came, which 10 to 11 people committed to come to this thing was a big deal at the time. Absolutely. For me, at least it was. And I was like, wow. Absolutely.
0: So,
1: so we got, we got into that and it was, it was amazing. It was really, really amazing. So I, I really learned, um, so much of my faith. I was built in that time of, of starting that university in, in 2015. And so um, just great, really grateful for the journey and the the lessons i had learned along the way. It's hard to believe that I'm, um, like eight years from there. Like that's so <laughs> wild to me. That's like, wow. Yep. Oh um, man.
0: But
1: we're, we're, that was eight years ago, almost nine. now. But yeah, it's just amazing to see the journey that God has taken us. And, you know, the, the way that, you know, out of that experience, I had a desire to pursue my master's in counseling just from that from just being a part of that. Cause I started off as a wow. vice president and then, um, because I was transitioning out and I was graduating, it didn't, I didn't really become president. Otherwise I would have, but, um, I tried to get somebody, I tried to do it, get an underclassman to like, um, totally. to take on um, the leadership roles so that the transition would be a lot smoother. It was amazing though. Some really beautiful moments, some great friendships that I'll never forget. So yeah, that was a very long answer to your no, question.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. The, I love I love hearing that. And, you know, kind of combining these ideas of this is how it all started and this is kind of where mm-hmm. it went and these are this is some of the impact that it started to have. Uh, you know, that I don't I don't know if you were a uh, I don't know if you were a self starter kind of person to begin with, or if it was something that, like, man, this is this is just sort of been discipled into me. Of like, this is really good, and this would be great for our mm-hmm. campus to have this again, and to to step into leading the way of let's get this reaffiliated and and, and establish a chapter, and let's see more people come to the next event that we do, uh, and and wow. to see to yeah. see that grow. And how exciting was, to to get to be a part of that.
1: I was just super. Challenged because you know if you know anything about your college, the demographic of the school is like they have a very large um, Islamic population, and I remember just okay. going up to one of my classes, and one whole side of the school was literally dedicated to prayer for for like Islamic prayer, and so kids would leave our our classes, so these people would do this, and I'm just like, dang, like that is honestly, so commendable to see how committed they are to their faith. And I was just like, where the heck is the Christian (laughs) club here? (laughs) So I was honestly so challenged. I was watching them and I was just like, wow, I'm so challenged in my faith. I want to be able to like, because you could hear the way that if anybody has been there, the way the school is organized or arranged, it's like each floor is like open. So like you could technically hear like wow. the prayers on the fourth floor from like the lobby of the school, which is so crazy to what me. What an so experience! Was like, wow, it was such an experience, and I felt like God was. I remember feeling like God putting this on my heart to start this thing, and you know, I just remember being like, I want to one day like sing worship songs and like the entire school hear it, like mm. in from from like an university standpoint, and like just so that at least like His Word is being spread you know like his song his praises his worship the worship that we give would be like audibly felt and heard in every place in the campus and so that was that was my desire and I really feel like God honored it because I got to go back and do that and I got to lead and they had a they had an event in one of the floors that was like out in the it was open and and so it was just you could hear it throughout the entire campus and so it was really amazing.
0: That's so cool. Man, what a what a legacy to get to be a part of. That's a fantastic story. And, yeah. and I mean, it just really leads so nicely into what we're talking about, Marianne. As students with InterVarsity, we talk all the time, or we, we when we were students with InterVarsity, we would talk all of the time about seeing lives transformed, campuses mm-hmm. renewed, world changers mm-hmm. developed. And and here we're leaning into that idea of world changers developed. And what does it mean for an alum like you to be a world changer? so as, as we think about that here there's two big things that we talk about One is a formative experience with inner varsity now you can be a world changer without ever knowing inner varsity obviously but mm-hmm. to be an inner varsity world changer uh, <laughs> it, it, we say that a formative experience with inner varsity pretty important but then somebody second thing somebody who is growing in these four loves in love for God in love for his word in love for his people of every ethnicity and culture and in love with his purposes in the world. And so no surprise here, and you've already touched on this a little bit, that we're going to chat about that experience in the world of music and worship and just some of these big picture things. And I have to imagine, MJ, that you've done – uh, you've done a number of uh, of conversations like this you've gotten to talk about sort of the public side of your worship and music career you've gotten to tell the story of being discovered on YouTube and going to a mm-hmm. writing camp that turned into you know being a part of Maverick City music for a while you've talked about releasing your own music up to this point that there will be more of that coming which is really exciting uh, you've gotten to talk about what it's like to be a worship leader with a large following and staying grounded like I imagine that those mm-hmm all conversations that you've had in one way or another. Some of those things might come up as we as we talk together, but I'm really not wanting to lean into any of those things specifically. I'd like to use the frame of world change. (laughs) And so so big picture, I'd like to know um, how is God using the worship scene that you've gotten to be a part of using music as you are engaging with music, um, in, in all of these different capacities, how is God using music and worship to transform and change his world?
1: Oh, man. I mean, like, I think he's been using music since the beginning of time. Like, music is one of the most powerful ways that people encounter the Lord. It was the way that I encountered the Lord. And I've seen people's lives literally change after listening to a song. So Mm. I definitely feel like that music is, like, already in and of itself, you know, Christian or not, whether it's glorifying the Lord or not, it has the potential and the ability to change the human condition. Mm. I just, I'm a big believer in that. Um, but now infuse it with something as powerful as Jesus, you know, like we really have the ability to change the world at that point. You know, I have seen how just Maverick City, has taken the world by storm. You know, it was a group that I started off in. And mm-hmm. initially, I remember my first exposure. One of the things that makes Mav City so amazing, first of all, is just its diversity, right? So, like, off the bat, like, one of the things we you could tell from the earlier days of Mav is just there were people from different colors, different places, different cultures. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a South Indian. I had never seen, like, another South Indian in in the in that kind of setting and so um and i had grown up and this is where university was so used like mind-blowing to me because i grew up in a predominantly indian church so i didn't okay. really have christian friends that i was looking at that that didn't look like me they hmm. they all pretty much looked like me and uh, all of my christian community were indians like myself and so my first real exposure to other christians in deep fellowship like was university. truthfully it was like my first time being exposed which is like crazy to say because i feel like so much of my formative years like had already happened like and i mm. went to college and now i'm just like wow there i mean i knew obviously that there were christians who didn't look like me but like actually living alongside them living life with them like getting to see how their faith intersects with their culture and their upbringing I'd never really seen that outside of what I've known. And so university was like my first exposure to that. And I felt foolish. I kind of felt naive at that age, like 18, 19, 20, to not have really had that kind of understanding of how faith played a role in my world, not just my Mm. world, but like the world, sorry, the world. And so um, I had that going into Mav and then, you know, Mav, I get into Mav and I'm, I'm getting an even deeper picture of the church because that was like being a part of university was my first real exposure to the capital C church. Like what the real church looks like doesn't look like just me, but like all different colors, different races, different communities of people. And then I go into Mav on a much larger scale and get to see that in a more, concentrated way as worshipers and leaders and like musicians and you know people in that way um but just seeing how like their cultures and their races and their upbringings really played a role in the way that they lead and and Mm. just the way that that has impacted and taken the world by storm people look at Mav and they see themselves and i think that's why it was so impactful you know I know another, I mean, like people look at me and they see another brown girl, like another girl that looks like them Mm -hmm. that's doing it and understands what they've been through. People look at someone like Aaron Moses, who's Hispanic and sees his, his like journey and his process and culturally how he's tied his faith into his, you know, upbringing. They see that like, so it's like, it's just like different people in the group that, you know, people saw that. And and really, like, held on to that. And I feel like that was a big part in people changing their own communities. And we know, like, you don't just become a world changer overnight. It starts small. It starts in your small, like, it starts with one and two people. And then it starts with your communities. And then it builds, right? Like yes. And so I think that's what happened. Like, I think we always encourage people to not just be Mav but create Mav where you are I always did at least I always made people I wanted to get people to understand like it's not me that makes it special it's not Naomi it's not Dante it's not Chandler it's it's you and your stories that make this so unique and so special you carry you are made in Imago day. like you you're created mm. in the image of God there's something that you each of you carry that's so uniquely God, and so uniquely yourself. And so um, I always encourage people that like, if you want to change the world, start with your the people around you and, Mm. and start to really love and appreciate the people and their journeys, their stories, because people have such amazing stories of faith, just but they're not, they're not famous, you know, like they're not on platforms to share them. Like, they're just living their life. <laughs> yes, and, absolutely. But it's like those stories matter. And I think those stories are what what encourages and influences people like myself, you know? And so that's, that's kind of like what I would say. Um, but university, I think, really kind of set that stage for me to really see mm. and appreciate diversity within the church and within the faith.
0: Yeah, that that's amazing. That yes, I, I agree that you know, the idea of everyday faithfulness is extraordinary mm-hmm. faithfulness, like mm-hmm. of places where it doesn't feel like you have some huge platform, uh, that, that, and even the people who do have this big platform when they go home at night, they're still just normal everyday people with their, like their other contacts. And it's like, well, what does it look like for you to have a world changing impact in that context? That's just right there around you. And so, I mean, so that I, so one of the questions that I want to ask you then is kind of how this has how this has changed for you, and so like what that development has looked like. So I I, I want us I want us to travel back in time for just a moment back to 2008, uh, which is which is a ways back. Uh, and I want you uh, I want you to think about you've just walked off the stage of Herrick's Idol, and you have <laughs> sung <laughs> and you've sung I by Avalon yeah, up in wow. front of all of your peers it's and everything so here. Wild. <laughs> 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 and you say and, and, and you say this. said that was one of the most memorable experiences of your life. So you think back to those early days at Herrick's, you think about playing music with your family that, you know, after mm. big holiday gatherings of play, mm. playing worship music together, uh, posting grainy cell phone worship hey. videos on YouTube and those kinds of things to today of, you know, today you are your wife mother, some of these things that you shared with us that you've had this very public stage as you've done music and worship mm-hmm. and, and even more than that. What's what's changed and what's developed about your perspective of what it means to love and worship God as you've grown in both experience and maturity?
1: Wow, what a first of all, you set that up really nice because that is a beautiful way of asking that question cuz so much has actually changed and i think more has changed since having my daughter um mm. i actually feel like life or my understanding of faith has become a lot simpler <laughs> just a lot okay. simpler and just a lot more i don't know i just i think now if I were to say like, okay, what is like one thing that I want to do or my one goal when it comes to faith? I think my one goal is to just love Jesus well and, mm-hmm. and keep him the main thing. And I think like, you know, I grew up in a very, I grew up Pentecostal. So there was a lot of like rules and just the way that you needed to do things is it was a little legalistic at times, you know Um, we didn't always understand like why we were doing certain things. So I felt like I kind of understood the Lord in one way where it was just like, I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to do something wrong. Like I don't want to not go to heaven. You know, now I'm just like, what if instead of this fear obsession of going to heaven or hell, what if heaven is actually knowing the Lord, like knowing him well, Mm. knowing him rightly, knowing him. And I think that's just been my new thing now, like loving Jesus. And, you know, it's not that, you know, everything I do is going to be perfect. It's not right. But it's this it's this messy type of inquisitive faith that invi- invites Jesus into every part. So it's yes, I'm challenging myself to kind of think that way. And it's really honestly hard sometimes to unlearn the God who I thought he was, you know, this person or this, this massive thing in the sky that's like, you know, shaming me when I, when I make a mistake or, you know, is, is a conditional type of God, a conditional kind of lover, you know, it's taken a lot of work. It's, it's, I'm still honestly going through that process. If I'm being very Mm -hmm. frank, like just of unlearning that God and, and knowing him to be a friend and a father and someone who genuinely like wants to see me happy, but also like, um, fulfilling what I'm Mm. called to do, you know? And I think it took me having a child and the way that I look at her is I feel the Lord really kind of redeeming a lot of like old things, just the way that I've, processed how I receive love and how I give love. Um, I just see him kind of doing that with me and teaching me what love really looks like. Cause it doesn't, I don't think it looked like anything I thought it was. So grace, mercy, love, all of it is kind of becoming a lot simpler where it's just like, there's really nothing I can do to run away from that with him. And so he's been very patient with me. I'm like in my thirties and I feel Once again, like I'm a little late, but Mm. (laughs) I feel like better late than never in learning this because I don't, I just know now that I have my daughter, like I never want her to grow up thinking that, um, if this is how I feel as an earthly mother, I can't even imagine how God feels, but I never want her to grow up thinking that I'm never going to be there. Like never, I'm never going to stop. I don't want her to think I'm going to stop loving her for any reason. Right. Because I'll be disappointed, I'll be sad at certain things, but that doesn't mean I withhold my love or take my love away. I don't right. want to live like that. So if I'm like that, I can't even imagine how much more the Lord is like that with me. And so I think that's something I think that I'm learning more about faith and love and, and, and grace, really. It's just grace. It's really understanding this how scandalous uh, grace really is.
0: Yeah. Wow. I I really love that image. Being a parent also, I can so identify with what you're talking about of like uh, the ways that I think about when I read when I read my Bible. And I read the responses that Jesus has to people or when God's talking to Moses or whatever it might be, uh, these conversations back and forth, how often I, re- I in my head, what I hear is this very like almost condemning sort of response that he gives of like, well, why don't you get this? Why aren't you getting this right? And I've had this thought of like, man, what if it's actually a very compassionate, like, oh, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I invited you to do, Uh, but that it is actually this like loving response that he gives, even if it is corrective, and thinking about, gosh, that is definitely how I want to be as a parent, and right. I, that's how I want my child to hear me. I want my my daughters to to hear me that way when I correct them or something. Of like, mm-hmm. oh, I love you, and I'm just inviting you into something better than what you were doing before. And yes, my love is not contingent on you getting this right. Um, right. And Lord, please change me when that's not actually the case. Uh, but that I I that's really cool. love that, and so so. MJ, I'd like to know, why does the world need that? Like, if this if this is what mm-hmm. God has invited you into, this is the way that he's revealing himself to you, and he wants you to be a part of world change with him, then why is what he's teaching you right now, the things that you're experiencing, why does the world need it?
1: Because we're broken. We're, we're, mm. we're in desperate need of that kind of love. And a love like this doesn't make sense. And I think that's where... I honestly think that's why a lot of people choose not to follow the Lord, because it almost sounds too good to be true. Like, mm. it almost sounds too good to be true that this, there's no way there's a, there's a God out there that's going to accept me for all of these things. And then when I fail, he's still going to accept, you know, he'll still welcome you. Right. With open arms. Like, there's no way. Mm. So I just think that the world is so broken. And John, like I've seen now being having done music, I've just seen the way that like, songs have impacted people and the stories like that they have just of hurt and brokenness that they're just in need of and they're just in need of like, love, true love, like a love without conditions, you know. Um, And I just feel very strongly that once we experience that kind of thing, it's if we're saying God is love, when people experience love, it will change their lives. Like it's mm. not something they can just ignore. It begs for your attention. It, it really does. And so it begs for your, your life, really. It begs for your your change. It begs for your identity. It begs for who you are and you can't really ever really be the same. That's why they say people who have encountered the love of Jesus. No. And, and they just aren't the same. They can't really go back. Uh, they don't, they don't walk like they used to walk. They don't talk like they used to talk. It's just, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And so once I think people understand that that kind of love really comes from Jesus, like that kind of love comes from the Lord. Like, I think, there's really no ceiling to what we can do through him. And um, I think that's what's that, that is why the world needs it because it's just in desperate need of someone to be loving them. Like something, someone, like they need to know and experience what love is because once you've experienced it, it's just a chain reaction, loved people, love others. Well. And, um, and I think, that's what we need. We just love to see that chain reaction kind of light the world on fire. And then we've got a whole world on fire for the Lord and who love the Lord and can just spread. It spreads like love is contagious. It spreads to the people around you, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of why I think it's necessary to have, I think it's, it's needed in our world today, especially in our world today, you know?
0: Yes, we we live in a time where it feels like everything is so... So like split apart from each other, like it's, it's either this or that there's no in between and you either completely mm-hmm. identify with us or you do not identify with us whatsoever. That's how you're, that's how you're in. That's how you're accepted. And as soon as you no longer do that, sorry, but you're out. Sorry, not sorry, actually. Right. Um, right. And that that feels like such a different place where, where Jesus, sta- where Jesus, the one who actually knows what is true and right and good stands in the middle of, and says, like, you don't have it figured out. I do. And that's why I'm the one that's in charge of making all of this happen and not you. Uh, so come with me again. Walk with me. On this daily basis of walking with me and experiencing my love and transformation. And and we'll be a part of making things different together uh, in mm-hmm. this world. And I, I, I love that, that that simplicity and that that is absolutely that's what the world around us needs so strongly.
1: Amen. I agree.
0: So. MJ this uh, in my mind this feels like slightly a sharp turn in the other direction or in a different direction but I know that these things are related Uh, and that's that uh, one of the other of many interesting facets of your life is that you have a background in in clinical mental health practices Mm -hmm. in that you have a degree a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling Uh, and at least at one I don't know if you still are today but at least at one point you were nationally nationally certified therapist that this was like a, a part of what you were doing and you mentioned earlier in our conversation that you're not practicing currently but that doesn't mean that this doesn't have an impact my background is in clinical psychology that's what my master's degree is in and that plays <laughs> a role in like everything that I do even yep. though I don't use the degree professionally so I mean for you where how is it that your training and your education and mental health uh, is helping in this partnership with God that you have
1: Well, yeah, like, I'm like you, I feel like it's a skill, like I'm using every day. I'm like, constantly even just active listening, which is something we like practice to do. And like train ourselves to do as therapists. I really try to do that in writing sessions. I'm like, most of the time, what looks what my life looks like is like a lot of writing sessions and a lot of like leading worship. Now, I don't necessarily like when you're leading worship, I don't find that the skills are coming out as much. But I think it's like in the interactions and the relationships you form, like with your team, or like how you Mm. even just like making people feel seen asking for their name, like, things like that, like, you'd be surprised, like how many people don't really engage with people that are working for them. And so I really want to try to like make people feel seen as much as possible. So I'm always like, Hey, what's your name? Like doing this, like doing that. And I'm, I'm very like intentional about that. But I feel like that's a skill that I carried into. um, I carried from counseling into real life. And then active listening is another one where I'm in rooms. And I feel like when we're getting down to the crux of what someone wants to say, like, I have mastered the art of asking, I feel like I have. Anybody who's written with me, hopefully sure. they'll great. But I feel like I've mastered the art of like asking the right question for the person to come out with the aha moment, you know, because a lot of counseling is, um, you know, you're not telling people what to do, you're walking alongside them and allowing them to see all the different perspectives so that they themselves can formulate a thought that is their own. And so I find myself kind of doing that in a lot in rooms where I'm like, okay, like, what do you what is it that you're going through? What is it that you want to communicate to the church? Or like, what is it that you want to communicate to your listener, whatever it is like, and kind of partnering with them to get to the meat of that is, is my goal. So I love like conceptualizing when it comes to songwriting and stuff. And I find myself really called to be in those rooms to kind of get down to the, Heart of what people saying are people are saying because a lot of times the songs you're listening to and the songs you're leading worship to god's already wrecked it for us like we we've we've done the work (laughs) this is like our now the song is like the testimony
0: yes having gone through so it's
1: like we've been through it at that point but it's like we're not it doesn't it's not beyond it's not behind us to know that like this is what people are going through right now and they need something to hold on to. And so I feel like God's kind of equipped me. I could not imagine doing music without having done my counseling background, having my counseling background. So I knew that that was a very intentional move on God's part like he wanted me to kind of have all this background and then be in these rooms of people and meet people and be able to listen to them and see them and hear their stories and and you know help them in whatever way that I can you know I'm not practicing anymore but I find myself asking honest questions and encouraging honest dialogue with people and it feels very therapeutic for myself but also for them I I would say so I definitely feel like God's kind of intersected both worlds for me in the most beautiful way. And I could not have asked for it any other way. It's, it's beautiful the way that it is.
0: That's really interesting, like, even just the the way that you're connecting the use of active listening skills, because, I mean, that's something, whether it's your your audience or your co-worker, your co-writer, the people that you're working with in this space, or if it's with God, like, what does it mm-hmm. look like to actively listen? It's so often we think of prayer as like, oh, I'm saying the stuff that's on my mind to God, but like, what does it look like to harness the skill of active listening to yeah. just sit and be yeah. like, Lord, what do you so want to say to me right now so that I can be a benefit to the people that you have sent me to, so that I can be a benefit in this world? world-changing work that we're doing together and that that is that is such an interesting uh an interesting connection of those of those ideas and i really like that um MJ, as you look, we've talked about this a little bit. You've touched on this in a few different spots, but I'm just going to ask the question overtly now. Yeah. And that's yeah, as yeah, yeah. you look back, as you look back on your time with InterVarsity, what are some of the threads that connect mm. you, from, to, that connect those students, student days to today? What are, what are some of the formative ways that God has been shaping you in preparation for the work that you've done and the work that you're doing today?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is just seeing how important to God diversity is. Just mm. just the the way that each person is created in his image. I feel like that is something I carried from my days in university to now, where I've really learned to appreciate just the scope of the body of Christ and like mm. the stories, the 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 cultures, the faiths, like it's all really really important to him and they're all so uniquely different and i've really appreciated that i think that's like one of my biggest things the second we actually did not talk about but the way that university encouraged me to look at scripture and study scripture and i can't even remember i still have a um university bookmark where they teach you the um they teach you the application uh what is it like I forgot what they called like the the little acronym that they had for studying scripture. OIA, there you go. Observe, like interpret, interpret
0: and apply. There it is. It's right there. It's it's in there. It's in there. So
1: in there. (laughs) Listen, like I really carried that into a lot of my life, like that. Mm. That like the way that they would encourage us to like study scripture. I still remember a, I don't remember if it was buslay or a big event, but Jason had printed out a passage and encouraged us all to like read it and then like highlight, underline. Like I carried that even into songwriting and, wow. and I would look at, at verses that were speaking to me, study them, kind of, um, interpret them in my own way, observe the things that I need to observe and then apply, apply them and, and write like songwriting was part of that for me and I feel like that thread I kind of like carried into my songwriting and into rooms with me where I kind of encourage people to like maybe not as like I'm not as like I'm not like writing it out in sessions but I'm encouraging people like what do we observe in this like how many times do you feel like this has been said or how many you know and then interpreting it in the rooms with with each other and then like after that like how could we put this into song so that encourage mm. it, it encourages application for people. Like it encourages people to to be challenged in their faith and their knowledge of this scripture. So I I mean that's another big formative way that I feel like God has used university um to kind of shape shape what I'm doing. Um, and I'm sure there's so many ways. I mean, listening was a really big one. Just the way that I built community and listening mm. and um. I think that's a really big thing that I carry into, you know, the, the music industry in general, not even the Christian world. But like just in general, like I try my best to really love people well. And I think that, you know, the way that university would encourage us to kind of do that was a really, really beautiful thing for me. And then lastly, <clears throat> I felt that university was my first exposure to real Missional evangelistic Hmm. things like efforts, um, you know, and it was. I think at that point, before being involved with the university, I had looked at universe, I had looked at like me going on a mission trip as missions, but I still remember like when I first approached um Sophia, she was like, Why do you want to create like an university on your campus? I'm just curious, and so I was just like, I just don't see God there, and I don't want to, I want God to be there, He's not there, and I just feel like he's not moving. And she encouraged me and she was just like, I actually encourage you to ask Lord to open your eyes to see how he's moving on your campus because he already is. You just don't know it. And that, I still remember that. (laughs) (laughs) That I was so like challenged by that, but it was, it was a way to like see God moving in our world. And it really pushed me to be more evangelistic in the way that I approached singing or even my ministry. And so much of what we did with Mav, like, you know, we went to arenas and we did things in arenas, but we, I always walked into it as a very missional thing. You know, Mm. we walked into it, to share with people the gospel, and that was what we did. And a lot of times, you walk into cities, and you can feel the heartbeat of a city. You can sense the spirit on a city, like the spirit of the Lord on the city. You can also spend, sense the spirits of darkness on a city. So it's just like you're you're really dealing with warfare on a different level. And a lot of that warfare, I learned about. W- like being a part of university and just seeing the ways, just even starting the university at York and just the way that there was warfare in that. And there was like a lot of fight uh, from, you know, from the enemy and just sensing that I learned a lot about spiritual Mm -hmm. warfare and just how important um, evangelism, missional work and spiritual warfare all connected. And those are like four big takeaways I would say um, that I've gotten from IV and how I see it every day in my life today.
0: Wow, that's that's amazing. I love that. I uh, and all things that we can like continue using in such real ways today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number of time, the number of times that I've taken the OIA method in a non-Bible study space and been Correct. like, I am a hundred percent using my manuscript <laughs> <laughs> abilities right here, so and there's true. no scripture being used. That's um, right. Man, MJ, do you have a word of encouragement for other alumni like you who are partnering with or trying to figure out how to partner with God in his world-changing work right there in the context that he's put them in?
1: Yeah. You know what? I'm going to steal it from Sophia Gabriel because she nice. did it to me. All right.
0: Do it. <laughs> but I would say –
1: Maybe, you know, you look at your Ivy days and you're looking back on those days and be like, yeah, like that was a time where I was really involved in ministry. That was such a beautiful time. Mm. Like, I want to encourage you to not just look at that time as, as like past, but really engage in community around you today and see, ask the Lord to open your eyes to see what he's doing in your communities around you maybe it's like at work and you're you're not sure how you see the Lord using you at your workplace i ask i i encourage you to ask the Lord to open your eyes to give you opportunities like we sometimes forget how accessible God is for us like <laughs> he is always there ready to answer the stupidest of things so it's like there's really nothing too small that you can ask that he won't like hear, you know? And so even if it's like, Hey, like I'm going into, I'm going into this grocery store and I really have this desire God to like share something like, or maybe it's Mm. you've been through something and you just know that it's, you've been through it to share it, you know, and encourage someone else. Like I'm going to this grocery store. Give me an opportunity. Lord. Like, and keep yourself open to what God might show you and lead you to do. I remember that being part of the transforming prayer track was so integral to me as an university varsity um, student, because it really taught me to engage with the Lord on a very practical level and invite him into the things that maybe I didn't think were hmm. important enough, like me going to a grocery store. Like, I wouldn't have thought to ask God for an opportunity in that moment. But like, When I started to invite him into day to day stuff, I feel like that's when I really got to see him move in a really unique way. And it would be as small as like, okay, God, like I desperately need a parking spot close to the close to the (laughs) store. Like it's just I'm carrying the baby Uh, like it's just a lot like just those small things. But he would come through and it would be amazing to just, it's just small actions like that, that really build relationship. You know, we think about people day to day now, like sometimes when I'm on FaceTime with a friend, they're on FaceTime with me for hours. Like, you know, like we're there, we're just kind of living life alongside each other. But that's like, I'm, I'm like calling God on FaceTime being like, Hey, like (laughs) I'm inviting you into my world. And so Mm. I encourage you if you're that university alum, like, Invite the Lord into your day-to-day life in the most simple ways. You'd be surprised to see how he moves and what he's doing and how that would greatly encourage your faith. So that's what I would say. As Sophia says, ask the Lord to open your eyes to see what he's doing in the here and now. So that's what I would say for you.
0: That's great. And MJ, you've been incredibly generous with your time, hanging out, telling these stories, yeah. going back into the, into the history of uh, the student <laughs> days and the way that all of this has been playing out I for you it. now. Uh, just really briefly, how, how can people stay connected with you and with the work that you're doing? You, uh, I'm sure that you have things that are happening that you're excited about, things that, yeah. and ways that people can like stay engaged. So please help us. Uh, how can we keep following yeah. the work that you're doing?
1: So. Hopefully in this new year, I'm hoping to do a few live shows in New York, but all of the info will be on either my website, MarianneJGeorge.com, or you can follow me on Instagram, socials. I mean, everything is on the website. So if you wanted to look at the website, you can find all my socials on there. But um, yeah, I have new, new music coming out in the new year. So that's something I'm very excited to release. It'll be my solo stuff like solo artistry. Um, but yeah, just be on the lookout on my website.
0: Very cool. Well, maybe right alongside of that, MJ, how can we be praying for you? How can the community of InterVarsity alumni, how can we pray for you in this season?
1: Yes, I would just pray for just that I would follow Jesus and where he goes a lot of clarity on what my next steps are. I feel like I know what I, what I'm meant to do. I think it's just the logistics of how to get there. And so just prayers for that, just the next step that I'm supposed to be taking and that I would just continue to love him. Well, I think that's like a desire that I have that I'm really trying. And as I go through this journey of like reconstructing my faith and what it looks like, um, in this very simple way, um, I would just ask for a lot of prayer and encouragement and, um, that the Lord would be present on that journey with me, which I already feel like he is, but just so just that I'm like following him, you know, and not, not what other people might say, not the voices around me and the powers that be, but like just move forward, following the Lord and, and um, being really intentional by doing that. So yeah, that would be my prayer. Thanks.
0: Of course. Absolutely. MJ, thank you so much for your time. This has been so fun to get to talk to you and thank blessings you. in the next season and in all the hard work that's going into putting out some new music and raising a family and uh, yeah, uh, blessings as you as you do that. Thank you. Thank you for being an InterVarsity alum. We love our alumni.
1: Thank you. I'm so grateful for InterVarsity and the ways that it's changed my life.
0: Thanks for tuning in, alumni. Check the show notes for more information about today's guest and for ways that you can be praying for your fellow alum. If you know someone who needs to hear this story, take just a moment to share the episode with them, and then be sure to leave us a rating and a review as well. Now go change that world, alumni. Thanks for listening to InterVarsity World Changers. This podcast is brought to you by the InterVarsity Alumni Relations Team, hosted and produced by John Steele, production assistance by Mike Santera, and our theme song is Crazy by InterVarsity alumnus Andy Minio.